How do I overcome the shame of my struggle? There's a well-known story with a girl who was going through a teenage, teenage issues. And Rabbi Kaplan says over the story, but there's a prat, there was a detail in the story that's worthy to highlight in itself. And I'd like to discuss that detail after we share the story. So the story goes that Rabbi Kaplan was involved in bringing the answers of the Rebbe and the instructions of the Rebbe to this girl on how she should go ahead with whatever issue she was dealing with. And at a certain point in this back and forth between the girl and the Rebbe, the girl expressed herself and said, how does the Rebbe understand me? I'm a teenage girl. He's a Rebbe. How does he relate to my struggle? And the Rebbe answered her and the Rebbe gave her an example. And the Rebbe said, when a mother is holding a baby and at a certain point the baby is teething and the baby is crying. It's a deep pain that the baby is experiencing while the baby is teething. The mother is also crying when she's holding the baby. But the mother doesn't feel her teeth in the process of teething. She's feeling the pain of the baby as her own. When people really care, they connect. Says the Rebbe, so too I feel her pain. And this is a story that's told over. There's a certain point of the story that's not mentioned. Let's think about this for a second. Here's a teenage girl who's telling the Rebbe, what do you know about my pain? How can you relate to me? Often, if someone would do that to a teacher, to a principal, the answer would be, who are you, chutzpah yak? How can you answer me? That's, that's chutzpah. Here, the Rebbe understood that that cry is a cry for help. On the contrary, this is beautiful. Here is someone who genuinely wants to grow. Part of wanting to grow is wanting to know, can you help me? This is a beautiful moment. This means to say that this person is not ashamed of their struggle. This person is not someone who's willing to drown in their struggle, but they're desperately looking to fight and to go on. How do people awaken this? What can be a tool that we can have, similar to this girl who did not give up? She was going through something that she might have been embarrassed to share with many people. But because she thought and she knew that the Rebbe can help her, so she verbalized her issue and she wanted to find an answer. She was looking for an answer. How can we awaken in ourselves the, the motivation to push through struggles? How do we have an answer for those struggles? What could be a tool that we have in our backyard that can help us swim through struggles and not allow them to drown us? So I want to share a story. And the story can have a thought that hopefully can allow us, when we're facing those moments of the struggles, pull us down, hopefully this thought will allow us to see a bigger picture, to believe in ourselves more, and to see beyond the struggle. There's a lawyer that I got to know, and he shares that the first time he was in Shul and Yom Kippur, reading through the Machzer, he had an aha moment. What happened? He looked in the Machzer, and he came back to me, he's like, I just figure out what's the translation of the word Reboine Shalolom. God Almighty. Reboine Shalolom. I said, and 
what's the big aha moment? What are you so amazed about that you figure out the translation of a word that everybody knows? He says, you don't understand. I grew up, my parents were Holocaust survivors. And every time something went wrong in the house, they would go, a pot broke. We were fighting as brothers. We were convinced it's a Yiddish curse word. We were convinced. Why else would my father all, all, all of a sudden always shout out this Suddenly I opened the machzor and I saw that means God Almighty. It means a word that shows on someone who believes in me. Someone who knows that I have a future. Someone who's almighty. I turned the Rebbeinu Shalolem that I thought was someone, which is a curse word, I turned into a word that I suddenly attached the word loving and caring to. And I'd like to share the following thought. I think we often, we often misplace the word Rebbeinu Shalolem, the word God. We look at it as someone demanding, someone who wants certain behavior patterns from us. It could be a curse word for some. Why? I don't want. It's restricting. It's too much for me. Let's change this for a second. And let's see how this can change. Let's think about this for a moment. Imagine you are standing in front of a group of billionaires. And they say, I love your business idea. I want to invest in you. Not one dollar, not a hundred dollars. We're investing billions into your enterprise. We believe in this. The world does not yet know what kind of revolution you can make. We are giving you an open check. Go for it. How do you feel at that moment? The billionaires are investing in you. You're the next great idea for mankind. Now let's stop for a moment. Is the Abishta bored? The Abishta put me into this world. Does he know what's going to happen in this world? Doesn't he know the future? Why did he put me here? Because I have a future. There's something great for mankind about to happen. He believes in me. When I wake up in the morning, I don't look at my moments of today, and I don't look at the moments that others are attributing to me, and I don't even look at my actions. I have to really look at a reality behind them. If the Abishta put me into this world, I can make it. I can do it. I don't care what happens. I'm going to unleash powers and energies beyond my moment. I could be in a sticky situation, but he knows. He put me here. He knows. He knows things that I don't even know. He knows that I can pull through. I will pull through. I'm not going to allow moments of today to choke out the reality behind them. The billionaires that invested in me, 